0: the things that are made and even his power in God, so that they are without excuse. We're going to continue tonight and talk just a little bit about uh, what our theme was in VBS. We've been talking about the natural part of the world that God made, his creation. Last week we talked about how God created light. We uh, said that uh, it wasn't the sun and the moon and the stars first thing. That was uh, the contrast of light and dark. We also talked about how God used water. Uh, If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, it says that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And in the second day, or I guess at the end of the second day, God had... Divided the waters, created the atmosphere, and caused land. Or, no, that's it, created the atmosphere. Third day was land. Third day, he brings upon land or firmament on the waters from the sea, let the dry land appear. He brought up uh, flowers, trees, herbs, everything that has seed and that it was to produce after its own kind and we talked about that that's the law of biogenesis where nothing can really can never reproduce anything that it is not already then on the fourth day uh... god the the greater light and the lesser light in the firmament so earth was already there and then the sun and the moon were set in its place as well as all the other stars and all the other planets we talked just a little bit about how the earth, which is the third planet from the sun, was placed in such a position as to protect it, and it was in the exact right spot uh, for life. Then we talked about how God brought about all the birds of the air and the fish out of the sea, uh, how He made them abundant. Uh, And then we talked about how God had the earth bring forth all the living creatures according to its kind. And then, of course, God creates man, and he creates him in our likeness. And we said that that likeness was what? What kind of likeness? Spiritual. Uh, Go back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, I think, where the Spirit of God moves upon the face of the earth. Okay. So tonight... I want to continue down that path just a little bit, and uh, what we're going to talk about can be complicated, but it's really not. Uh, try not to get bogged down in the details. Just, just listen and look a little bit, and try not to overthink it. I found some interesting quotes up here. Uh, this is from the NASA website, and they were just posted here in February. Uh, and they're, they're not all together, so they were in different places, but they were still by the same uh, webmaster, this Brett Griswold or whatever he is. I don't know. You know, he probably does all their posting. It says, uh, How long the universe lasts and how it evolves depends on its total energy and matter content. A universe with enor- enormously more matter than ours would rapidly collapse back under its own gravity well before life could form. A very long-lived universe might not have enough mass for stars to ever form. Now, when we talk about mass, we're talking about occupying an area in space, in, even on Earth. Uh, mass is not necessarily volume, but it's more like uh, the amount of area that you take up. You have a mass here in this room. Everybody has a, a certain mass. We know by our own existence that the universe is conducive to life and that life requires energy, water, and carbon. He also goes on to say the harsh radiation of space is blocked only by the Earth's atmosphere and magnetic field. I thought that was interesting because we brought that up uh, last week. And then at the very end, he has our universe seems to have Goldilocks properties. Not too much and not too little, just enough mass and energy to support the development of life. So, even the NASA scientists realize that where you're at, where you're sitting tonight, planet you're on, seems to be exactly right for life on Earth. And so, what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight is we're going to talk about those building blocks of life. Remember, he said life, energy, and carbon. So we got to talk a little bit about chemistry, and that's, I'm going to stop right there, because I don't want you to get scared. Uh, we're not going to have a chemical test or anything, but we're just going to talk a little bit about some of the very basic elements uh, and uh, what they what they entail for, for us. On Earth, there's about 92 natural elements found on it. Uh, Almost all life forms on Earth are primarily made up of only four basic elements. That's hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, and carbon. If you wanted to say six, you would add uh, like phosphorus, and some of them use boron or uh, lithium. Um, but really these four basically make up almost everything you touch, feel, eat, and are. An element is a substance that is made of only one type of atom. All right. Does everybody know what an atom is? You've heard of this, right? By the way, uh, these structures that you'll see, they may not necessarily be exactly correct. Uh, Science is still working on that. Uh, But it's interesting to, to think about it. Atoms are the smallest unit of matter. They consist of a nucleus that has protons and neutrons. Protons, obviously, are positively charged. Neutrons are neutral. And then they're usually... Uh surrounded, well, I shouldn't say surrounded, they usually have what's called uh electron shells around them, where electrons negatively charged move around them. And the very outer one is always called the valence electric shell. Okay? And so all the atoms have different numbers of protons and neutrons in their nucleus, and they'll have different numbers of electrons, and that's what makes them uh different elements. Okay? all you need to know about that. Uh, Carbon. Remember, that's one of those necessary elements or atoms for life. It's the sixth most abundant element in the universe. Uh, Carbon atoms form the backbone of almost all the important biological molecules floating around in our bodies. Not only that, it also is the backbone of your energy. You eat, you basically eat Well, you eat plants and you eat animals. What you're really doing is you're eating the sugars that they ingested as plants. Sugars contain carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. They help form the complex molecules, the carbon bonds with other elements, and they especially like oxygen, hydrogen, and nitrogen. And these are uh, some of the examples are like photosynthesis. You've heard of that. It's basically where a plant takes chlorophyll, takes sunlight, chlorophyll, Makes sugars. So it actually takes carbon dioxide out of the air that you breathe and converts it into a sugar. And whenever that plant burns that sugar that it made in photosynthesis through cellular respiration, it actually uses up energy and then CO2 is actually released back into the atmosphere. Kind of neat how that happens, isn't it? I thought that was, that's always been kind of interesting how. It, it, how these things, these uh, elements, actually revolve throughout the uh, throughout the earth. So an example of that would be you would have CO2 in the air you breathe. You have a tree over here. He he produces sugars, or what, or it could be a little plant. The rabbit eats it, and the bobcat eats the rabbit. You know because that's meat. And once they use that energy, it is transported back into the atmosphere. Uh, there's also bacteria in the soil that can use that energy from the sugars being born. And we actually put more CO2 into the air because of how we heat uh, using coal, wood, uh, any of those carbon based uh, forms of power. Okay? Any questions so far? Pretty simple, right? It's pretty easy. One thing I think you ought to notice, look there. That's got a nice little cycle to it, right? Nice little cycle. Okay. The next one is nitrogen. It also is in the air. It's the uh, fifth most abundant element in the universe. It makes up about 70% of the Earth's atmosphere. Uh, They've figured out, evidently, it would weigh 4,000 trillion tons. Um, I don't know how you'd come up with that, but anyway and it's present in all living things as part of proteins and dna you guys have heard on the news about dna he's also heard that dna has amino acids in it amino acids are are helped form by nitrogen and so the material that's used to help you be who you are dna remember is like the blueprint for the human or actually for any plant or animal it helps tell uh, what that plant or animal is going to be in hair color and skin color. Nitrogen, too, has a cycle. Okay, uh, It's in the atmosphere. Uh, it actually is easily, well, I shouldn't say easily, it is readily available to water molecules. So as it rains, uh, nitrogen attaches to water, falls to the ground. Now, every farmer in here knows this, right? When's the best time to plant seed to grow grass. After a rain, or even before, how many have ever seeded your fields in the fall? Okay, what do you seed it in the fall for? What are you hoping will fall on it? Snow. Snow. All right. At 32 degrees, nitrogen becomes very soluble in water. In other words, as the water droplets fall out of the clouds, start to freeze, nitrogen attached to them in the crystalline form of snow falls to the ground, melts, gets in the in the ground and becomes basically a fertilizer, right? All fertilizers are nitrogen based. And so these these nitrogen molecules then can be used by certain plants that have nitrogen fixing bacteria in their roots like legumes or uh, You actually have uh, decomposers in your soil, so bacteria that will actually decompose plant material, animal material, and release the nitrogen out of that. Am I losing you yet? (coughs) Oxygen. Oxygen is the third most abundant element in the universe. It's uh, about 21% of the Earth's atmosphere. It has half of the mass of the Earth's crust. Uh, Two-thirds of the mass of the human body, but you didn't know that, did you? Or did you? You're mainly water. Okay? Oxygen is nine-tenths of the mass of water. Uh, Water is two hydrogens and one oxygen. Uh, It forms the ozone layer, which is that protective thin layer in the atmosphere that helps protect you from UV rays and it's also a component of hundreds of thousands of organic compounds including sugars and all kinds of things okay and yes believe it or not there's an oxygen cycle see a trend here uh... oxygens in the atmosphere It comes down as rain uh... It gets into the lakes or it goes onto the soil uh... it gets used by plants um, and then whenever plants respire so they burn their sugars they give off oxygen believe it or not as well as a byproduct Hydrogen. Hydrogen is the most abundant element in the universe. Hydrogen is the raw fuel that most stars burn, uh, which includes your sun. Remember, the sun is basically made of hydrogen and helium, but most of all, hydrogen. Uh, it's the third most common element in the human body. It bonds with other elements to form other important molecules, such as ammonias, methanes, table sugars, hydrogen peroxide, okay? And it's one of the two important elements found in water. Pretty pretty simple. Okay. That's all I'm going to ask you about molecules. Those are, the, those are the four that we really need to talk about just a little bit. So now I'm going to concentrate on the water molecule. And you're going to say, Mitchell, I don't know where we're going. If you just hang on, I'll show you where I'm going with this. Just give me a, just give me a little uh, room to operate here the water molecule contains two hydrogens and one oxygen and it's it's needed by all forms of life we all know that everything's made out of water or consumes water did you know that water can dissolve almost any substance that organisms need Uh, water is the is a main solvent it acts as a solid a liquid and the gas it's one of the few elements that contain all three states and for my son yes it can actually operate in the plasma area as well Uh, He's big on plasma, because that's like another fourth state now. (coughs) It's uh, necessary for many biochemical reactions. I'd almost say almost all of them, uh, because it's involved. And all three states of the water are available on our planet, and it creates this really neat variety of habitats and microclimates. I actually found that quote on the NASA website as well. Why is that important? Why is it neat to know about water? Planets made up mostly of water. water. All living organisms have to have water. Single-celled organisms have to have it. That's how they transport. That's how they move things within their own cells, is through water. Nothing can survive without water. That's why when scientists start looking at other planets, One of the first things they look for is does it look like water's been there? Is there any hydrogen? Is there any oxygen? And then they next look for carbon. Okay? But really and truly carbon can't be there unless oxygen has already been there. So never mind. So why do atoms bond to form these molecules, such as your sugars that you need, or they bond to make up uh skin cells or blood cells or uh... plant cells why is it that they bond well the bond is a chemical attraction between these atoms which comes because of either electrostatic force in other words the nucleus of an atom its mass is so much that it attracts another atom of less mass so it brings it to it it's like a magnet or in the case of well. Molecule or uh, water is basically for both of them But sometimes these atoms on the outside of their valence So the outside shell They have missing spots that make them stable And so what they do is They find other atoms to help them fill those outer shells To make them a stable molecule Okay Okay octet rule they're not sure why this actually works the way it does but in the very outer shell of almost all elements they want eight electrons so for example oxygen has only six that's why it has to have two hydrogen atoms to make water it it attracts two hydrogens to fill those outside valence electric uh... shells to make it a very stable molecule and produce water, they can, these atoms can bond with the same element, like oxygen, it b- bonds to itself. It creates not only carbon or oxygen dioxide, but it also creates ozone, uh, three oxygens, or it can bond with different elements, which it typically does a lot. The only two exceptions are hydrogen and helium and they only have two electrons in their outer shells now there are some non-natural elements that have more than eight electrons but that's not the typical case so the octet rule is something that's been proven for decades in science relationships of the mass of atoms and their attractions to other atoms form molecules so this, this attraction of needing either eight on the outside of your valence or the mass of one atom attracts other atoms to form these molecules in every case okay Now, we've talked about the relationship of the solar system a lot last week, well I shouldn't say a lot, we, we talked about it quite a bit Remember, the the planets are held in their orbits by the mass of the sun. The sun is 33,000 times larger than the Earth, or something like that. It's huge. The Earth or the uh, sun is so huge that it can hold eight planets in its orbit around it, and keeps them coming and moving all at the same time. They're attracted. The planets are attracted one to another, so they spin. They have a a rotation within their own. The moon orbits the earth, so the moon is attracted to the earth because the earth's mass is more than the moon. Everybody's looking at me with a... Okay, here, here we go. The relationship within the solar system that you live in is exactly the same as a relationship of the smallest atom that makes up everything that you know about that you use and that you are that very same relationship mass attracting smaller mass and bonding and holding it is the exact same relationship that's in the universe that you live in my wife wants me to address pluto <clears throat> pluto would be like hydrogen it's small enough in mass that it has a very different orbit around the sun than the other planets they call they call it a dwarf moon but it could be a planet but its mass isn't isn't large enough for it to escape Or to fall into the sun. It's continually held right where it is all the time. And so this idea that our universe seems to have Goldilocks properties... Is not... Is not by mistake. Can you see where God, when he was creating on the first... Well, on the six days... He spoke these things into existence, and he used the exact same pattern all the way up the line. So while you're sitting there and your body's able to move and you have skin and you have blood pulsing through you, all those things are possible because God set up how atoms work within the universe. And he's carried that pattern out all the way out to everything that you can see or hope to see. So, I went through that real quickly, because I was expecting maybe there might be some questions about that. You can definitely see the pattern between the solar system and the atom breaking bringing up, like neutrons and protons, and the relationship they have, like the planets. Yeah, the, and one thing to think about, and I didn't say this, but even in atoms or even in the planets, they're their attraction is one we often think that it's a circular kind of attraction they make you know they go around and around in a circle but that's not really true It's like a magnet it'll be more of an ellipse the planets all revolve around the sun in an ellipse and in an atom it's even more so uh... in atoms the nucleus is usually even bigger uh... than the electrons that it holds and so these electrons move in various forms around the nucleus. And so while it may not be a complete circle, it is more like an ellipse and it could be even tighter than that. But the property is still the same, the relationship is still the same. Um, think about all the different things that God has done and how the specialty uh, type things He's done, like in plants or animals. Um, it's a, it's amazing that he has put his fingerprint on everything, all the way down to the very smallest particle that we know about. I'm not going to talk about uh, dark energy or anything like that. If you follow science, you know that's a big deal now. Um, No, uh, heavy water is water that has taken on a, a nuclear-type isotope. In other words, it's been exposed to, to fission, to a heavy metal. That's why they, they actually use water in nuclear reactors for coolant. Um, but I, I can't remember seeing uh, another hydrogen attached or another oxygen. I didn't really go that far into it. To be honest with you, you know, chemistry was not my best subject. But I knew enough about it to be dangerous to realize that there was a pattern there. And if you go into chemistry at all, you get to see all these different attractions. Uh, I didn't bring up the periodic table of elements or any of that stuff uh, simply because, you know, there's, there's really no need. The, the pattern is there. The pattern is set. And it's, it's interesting that, that God is the one that set it up all exactly the same. But he did the exact same thing for reproduction. Uh, you think about it in uh, plants, for example. Uh, when we have flowers, what type of flower parts do flowers have? We got any in here? What? Pistols and stamens. All right, what do they also refer to those as generally, go ahead, male and female, right? Uh, all those type of example and you can go to anything, whether it's plants, whether it 's animals, um, we use uh, the vascular systems in plants. Well, the reason that there's called vascular system is they compare it to our own vascular system. Um, those things are not by accident they didn't happen that away just by chance there's way too much evidence that there was a pattern to how that was supposed to be laid out and and the reason is really goes back to what brian read for us Uh, god did that so that you know as you and i look and live and work and breathe and eat uh... we can see his creation but we can see we can see his work in everything whether the sun's going up or the sun's going down Uh, life, death, his fingerprints on all of it and so you know it's, it's important for us to realize that science knows about this you know they're they're fully aware they understand that the patterns are there okay so my subject tonight Was supposed to be relationships between science and the Bible. Okay, so I wanted to use this as a way to kind of talk about science and the Bible. Okay, we often get upset with scientists because why? All right, well they want to contradict the Bible. How about that? Yeah, they want to contradict the Bible. Uh, they want you to believe that, hey, you know, there was this uh, gaseous cloud that had lightning and it happened to have a carbon molecule and it uh, it got energized just enough to where it formed a single-cell amoeba and then, you know, you somehow got into a slurry of mud and guess what? You've now become a living creature. The problem with that is none of the evidence they have shows anything uh, that is haphazard. They can't point to anything that is haphazard. Even things they don't understand, uh, galaxies far, far away, with their Hubble telescope and their satellites that they look at. Okay, they all can see that there's a pattern to them. They all rotate. They all have planets. They all have a system in the middle, a a sun or a star or a megastar or whatever the. What's the big one? The red giant. I have red giants in them, you know. But they all have, they all have a, a system set up. They all have a center, and they all rotate around that center. That's a pattern. Now, is it bad that scientists question uh, where we come from and why we are the way we are? No. I agree with you. Why is that? Okay, they can't agree amongst themselves how it all happened, but they have to make up all kinds of theories. Right. But they want what they want to do is leave God out of it for the most part, because, you know, we're the smartest thing that we can find. Well, that's how man usually gets in trouble is when he thinks he's smarter than he really is. Uh, That's happened to me a few times. Uh, Here's the thing about scientists. Uh, they desperately want to prove their point. They desperately want to prove uh, that you came from something other than a religious background. And so that's actually a good thing. And I'm going to tell you why. Because they work very hard at trying to disprove it. And every time they work hard and they look and they dig, they come up and they find all kinds of neat things that we never knew about the universe and that you and I probably would never question. Right. They (laughs) still haven't found the smallest thing. Because every time they find a point going down, they getting smaller, but they still find something smaller. Yeah. Right. Well yeah, uh, in fact there, we can't, so far out, we can't see it. Well in fact you can't see it. Uh, it's it's not a physical area. Yeah, there was just a divide there that uh, they couldn't go between. It was obvious that they were separated. But the the idea that there is uh, small particles, and all, I'm sure there are, and whatever we find, I have no doubts that there's even smaller pieces than this. In fact, they talk about it all the time. There's subatomic particles that make up atoms even. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is more than likely they're going to follow something very similar to this pattern, if there are they're going to be uh, attracted to one another uh... they're going to be held together by gravitational forces or electromagnetic forces Um, those those patterns are not going to change and so scientists as they dig and as they try to disprove everything that you and i hold uh... valuable uh, that only helps our cause uh... but we need to be able to to use the information that they have in order to um, present that so that others can believe with us. You know, it's it's uh it's a difficult thing to wrap your mind around the fact that you're made up of billions and billions of atoms uh that are just held together uh by attraction. Carl Sagan called it star stuff. Yeah, star stuff. Yeah. You know, uh It's uh, it's interesting how that works, or at least I find it interesting. Where Where is Pluto? Where does it fit in? Well, it uh, they used to call it a planet, you know, a long time ago, and they've since backed off that. They say Pluto is a dwarf moon, in other words, it actually is a, a moon of the sun, not of another planet. Uh, because if it was a moon of another planet, it would be attracted to some other planet, and it's really not. It's attracted to the moon. Its orbit is around the sun. But what, the, what we don't talk about a lot is there are many objects in our universe that we can't see and we don't know about yet. Uh, we know there are many smaller moons uh, that function a lot like Pluto. And they're within these stellar belts. There's also an asteroid belt, by the way, that is uh, right after, is it Venus that's after Earth? Is that right? Yeah. And so this asteroid belt actually is in between the inner planets and the outer planets. You don't ever hear much about that, do you? Why not? It's an asteroid belt, right? But it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go in or out. It's just an asteroid belt, and it just sits there and rotates around the inner planets. Well, the reason they don't want to tell you about it is because guess what? It acts like protection. Right? That's what it does. That's its function as it goes around the inner planets. Um, Can you think... Can you think of anyone in the Bible who did not believe in God, but that God used them to prove who he was. I had one person that popped in my mind immediately. Pharaoh right away. Remember the story? Uh, God sends Moses to free his children uh, from Egyptian bondage. They had actually cried out to him. Uh, God sends Moses, tells him, hey, you know, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He wouldn't. He starts sending plagues upon him. Uh, Pharaoh, I think twice, is like, yeah, yeah, get out of here. And then he recants, uh, makes him stay there. Uh, the point to that story is that even people who don't believe in God, God uses. And don't think that he doesn't. There's several examples in the Bible where God uses people who don't believe in him to prove who he is. Scientists would be that way as well. You know, God's going to use you one way or another. We talk about that a lot, and it's true. Uh, the very fact is, is that God uses you whether you choose him or not. Uh, it's up to you to choose which side you're going to be on. Yes, Vic? Joseph and his brothers. Joseph and his brothers. I mean, if you can't see that, I mean, you can see the hand of God through the whole process here. Yeah. He lets us see that in his providence. Yep. You know, uh, so while I don't necessarily agree with everything science has to say or everything science does, uh, they definitely have their, their part uh, in, in mankind's existence. Uh, so, you know, don't be too hard on them. Make sure you're armed well, uh, but realize that what they're doing, what they're going about is only going to help you in the long run because uh, they're never going to be able to uh, discount, disprove, or discredit... Uh, the Creator. Okay, they're they're smart people. They're a lot smarter than me. I'll I'll be honest with you. you know these people, they're brilliant. Uh, Albert Einstein, for example, just a superbly uh, intellectual man. Uh, but he's not smarter than God. Uh, speaking of that, who did God say was one of the wisest men to ever live? Solomon. And we we really we kind of poke at Solomon a lot, but Solomon had some really good insights into not only uh, God, but how the world worked. Remember there, it, it talks about how Sol- uh, that other, other kings and other nations would seek him out to ask him difficult questions, and without ever going there or knowing about those things, he could answer their questions. He knew what that was. That was the wisdom of Solomon. Wisest man on earth. Yeah, there's a queen that went and seen him, and she was going to she was going to test him. Yep. And she said the half has not been told. Yep. Half has not been told about his wisdom. Good questions. Any more? Okay. Yeah. The. The, the idea is that uh, the Sun which is uh, hydrogen and helium is a massive star it's continually going through fusion uh, making energy uh, at some point in time uh, that fusion reaction that it's creating will get out of control and it'll enlarge and then all the gravitational pulls to all the planets will be off and the Sun will eventually grow to a size that it sucks everything in on itself and then once that happens it basically collapses and becomes a black hole. Right? That's the theory. Okay? Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, it's possible. The Bible says that the earth will be burned. Yep. Here's here's what's interesting. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about dark matter. Scientists realize <clears throat> that the universe is not only held up with these atoms, but there's something also there that they can't measure yet. They don't know how to measure it. They don't know how to look at it. They don't know how to test it. And they call it dark matter. And here's, here's the way they, they, uh, they kind of describe it. They said there's something there. There's a force. It makes up the largest majority of the universe. Atoms are really only a small part of the universe. They're only like, you know, 28%. The other uh, 70, whatever, 72% is this dark matter energy. Okay? But they can't measure it. They can't see where it is. They don't know exactly how it works. But it's really what's keeping everything together, this dark energy. Okay? Now, I'm okay with that, really. Uh, because, and here's why, John chapter one talks about how the Word was in the beginning, and how the Word was God, and it it brought everything into existence. So the very Word of God is what holds everything together. Yep. I don't know how you're going to measure that. You to you know, yeah, you have to believe, you know. But as long as God wills that everything continues exactly as now, it will continue. But the moment he decides that's enough, then the end of time will come and then everything will collapse. So I'm okay with dark matter. Energy. I, I can, I can use that, but that's, that's the theory. Good questions. Anything else? All right. Well, I'm basically done. So that's a little different than our normal. Uh, and I don't really like doing a lot, but Since we were talking about creation and BBS, uh, I wanted to to at least touch on the fact that, you know, everything in the universe has a pattern. Uh, From whatever you see to what you are to what you eat to how you act, everything in your body, uh, everything, everything has a pattern. Everything in nature has a cycle. Uh, And here's what's even more interesting. We're just now kind of realizing this. But like every terrestrial aquatic uh, environment interacts and has interaction within its, those other entities to continue to produce its own cycle. So fish rely on terrestrial animals, which rely on avian animals, which rely on, uh, you know, other bacteria. I mean, it's all interwoven. It's, there's such a complex system that God has set up that we can't unravel it all. That's why we we learn about these things in bits and pieces and bytes. We're only figuring out bits and pieces at once. Uh, It's too complex for our minds to to ever comprehend everything. And that's why it takes science hundreds of years uh, to actually prove certain things because technology that we're developing, uh, what we're going to use in 100 years hasn't even been thought of yet. It just hasn't. You know, the church, you know, just take the church, for example, and think of the God of the universe, and that's what we believe in. He says, let all things be done decent and in, in order. order. You know, why would you think it would be any different the way it's creation? It wouldn't. It'd be the same. It would be the same. You, you shouldn't be able to see the same, as you call it, pattern, nope. order in the universe. Just like he expects in the church, he expects things to be done orderly. And so we need to take heed here. Yeah. And that pattern is in everything that he does, whether it's here or on a different planet or in anything that we do, like you said, within the church. Uh, everything is to be decently in order, to have a a set of operations that it goes by all the time. All right. Well, that's all I got for you. Thank you for being patient. I appreciate that. I hope you did learn something, even though that's kind of dry and long. But if... Uh, I probably won't do that anymore, uh, but if, uh, if you want to know something, don't feel free to ask. I don't necessarily know all the answers, but I'd be glad to look it up for you.